gorgeous Georgian goes, are you ready? Junkie Nation, are you ready? Well, let's get it on. From the fight capital of the world, Las Vegas, Nevada, this is MMA Junkie Radio. We roll it! What's going on, Junkie Nation? Gorgeous George and goes back on a Sunday night for your Monday delivery. It's MMA Junkie Radio. Ready to spend the next hour or so with you guys. Talking mixed martial arts. It's the biggest week of the year in our sport. International Fight Week for the Ultimate Fighting Championship. But first, we will also toss out some of the results from PFL because it was our last regular season week. Now the playoffs are set, so we'll go over that real quick. We'll go over International Fight Week. It was a long week. Got to see a lot of friends and family. I guess not technically family, but the Junkie family. There you go. And like I say, it just culminated with uh, last night's jewel uh, of International Fight Week, UFC 276. Although, to be fair, I guess there was a grappling event today as well at the Apex. Anyway, lots, lots going on. Heads are still spinning. It was a really, really crazy week. And again, thanks to those of you that tuned in to our watch along last night. We had a blast. So we're going to cover it all. MMA Junkie Radio. It's Sunday, July 3rd for your Monday, July 4th delivery and it is holiday weekend you may have heard a firecracker or a firework there just as goes was going to a pause i know i heard it hurt heard it here and i heard it through the mic but it is a long holiday weekend, so uh, happy Independence Day to America. Let me see, 1776 to 2022. Holy cow, that's a lot. That's a lot of years. Uh, almost 250 years this country is amazing. Anyhow, um, all right, PFL, let me give these results goes, and then that way we can just take our time with the UFC. PFL 6. 2022, Kayla Harrison defeated Caitlin Young, kind of made easy work of her. Uh, no injuries, ready to go for the playoffs, but you could tell she was like, ah, I think she wanted to show off and and beat someone up pretty good, but it all happened so quick. So uh, that's that. She is the, now the number two ranked lightweight, according to the standings, and uh, her and Larissa Pacheco will you know, be on opposite ends of the uh, the brackets. Go ahead. It's unfortunate because it it really doesn't do anything for her stock. You know, these types of wins, mm-hmm. they just they seem too easy. But it's not Correct. her fault. There's nothing she can do. Yeah, you're right. There's nothing that she can do. And she tried during the free agency period, but the way the contract was made, PFL got the last say. You know, the UFC courted her. Bellator actually offered her something, which she signed, but the PFL matched. So maybe that's a lesson learned for the next or what should have been for this contract. Hey, look, uh, if I sign for this amount of money, I'm free to go. If I choose to, you can't match. Now, would the PFL do that? I don't know. Maybe the PFL had to throw more money at her just to lock her up. But, dude, it was so anticlimactic. goes, you know, like I was thinking, okay, the main event time, here's their biggest star. And it all just kind of happened so fast. It, it was that same feeling as Munoz and O'Malley. And it was the same feeling as Pajeda and Stricken. Like, oh, man, I was really looking forward for, to these scraps. Like, 
you know, unfolding and building up and going like a good 10 minutes or something. And then it all ended so quickly. So, uh, well, what can you do? She stays undefeated. And, and that's that. Sad, Sadabusi defeated Roy McDonald. Both guys make it to the playoffs. Roy had gotten a finish in his first fight. So even though he lost this this particular fight, he goes in, I think, as the number one welterweight. Let me make sure of that. I don't want to talk out of my ass. But well, here's yeah. the women's lightweight since I have this up. Larissa Pacheco, number one. Kayla Harrison, number two. Martina Jandrova, number three. And uh, Olina Kolasek, number four. So Kolasek versus Pacheco. Harrison versus Jandrova. And the welterweights. Roy McDonald does go in as number one. Sadabusi is number two. Carlos Leal is number three. Magomed Umalatov as number four. So Umalatov will face McDonald. C will, uh, will face Leal. Out of the playoffs is Magomed Magomed Karamov and Ray Cooper the third. So a little bit of a change there. Ray Cooper is used to getting a, a million-dollar check at the end of the year, million-dollar bonus. And uh, that won't happen this time. And All right. Quilts are probably tripping right on the Christmas list. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It'll be a little bit different this time. But, you know, it all started with that weight, with the uh, weight miss. You know, the, the the weight miss caused him to be a minus one. Had he not been a minus one, then him and Umalatov would have been tied. And I don't know what the tiebreaker protocol would have been, but it just didn't go down that way. In the lightweight division, we all know it's Pettis versus Stevie Ray, Olivier Ben Mercier versus uh, Alexander Martinez. And I think we already went over the rest on Monday show. So there you have it, folks. That was PFL. I guess if you want to know the other results, it was, yeah, Ray Cooper beating Brett Cooper. Magomed Magomed Karamov defeated the uh, Delano Taylor. That was a second-round stoppage. Larissa Pacheco defeated Jenna Fabian. First-round stoppage there. Magomed Umulatov defeated J.L. Solawi. And I just want to move on. Enough. So we get to International Fight Week. Uh, Let's see here. We hadn't gone over the Hall of Fame. I was just watching the Hall of Fame right now. And, you know, respect to everybody. I think everybody was well-deserved. Two are in the modern wing now of... Two more fighters in the modern wing with Habib Nurmagomedov and DC, Daniel Cormier. I have no problem with either one of them. DC, however, admitted that he grabbed a towel in Buffalo when he was defending against uh, Anthony Johnson. Said he came in a little bit over, but then they remembered an old wrestling trick. So he kind of held on to the towel just to take a little bit of (laughs) the weight off. And now he was good to go. A lot of people did not like that goes for him to finally admit it, especially there at the Hall of Fame. He figured that was the best time. Like, hey, you know, the ship sailed. I got my belts. I got my money. You guys just put me on the Hall of Fame. Let's just have a good laugh. And I'm with DC. Um, I I could care less now what happened. I if if he hadn't made weight then, I would have been there on Monday show going, DC, it's your bad, man. You didn't make weight. The commission, you know, you couldn't slip it past the commission, and and that's that. And he would have he would have known that I was right or anybody else that, that thrust criticism his way. But he managed to pull it off. And I I, I just think there's uh, too many people that strive for this utopian world where everything's perfect, and that's just not going to happen, man. Yeah, I mean, I could see if he uh, 
if he said it was the right thing to do, I mean, he, he kind of just admitted, yeah, I, he got away with one. I mean, he's admitting it himself. There's nothing we can do. It already happened. That's just life. That, that's where we're at. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, that little saga kind of, it was a while that he went kind of claiming that uh, he didn't do nothing when we were all just laughing our asses off going, are you blind? Like, obviously you did something. Right. Um, Cub Swanson and Duhu Choi went in for their fight, the classic fight that they had. I thought that was well-deserved. And then Giga Chikatsi received the Forrest Griffin um, Award for Community Service. And congrats to him. That's pretty cool that they do that as well as part of the show. And now we get to fight week. Fight week, Friday morning, everybody fight day. No, fight. Uh, wait, wait, cutting day. No, wait, wait day. What's it called? Holy cow. Um, weigh in day. There you go. So the mornings, you know, you kind of have to hold your breath nowadays. Like, who's good? Who's not? You know, after the whole thing with Charles Oliveira, it's like ugh, fresh reminder that even the top of the uh, heap, can stumble from time to time. And luckily, right away, they were knocking it out of the park, man. All of them coming in half a pound, even lower than they needed to. Cannoneer, Israel Adesanya, Alex Volkanovsky, Max Holloway, they were all good to go. As far as I know, everybody made weight, and it was on for Saturday. We had the ceremonial weigh-ins later in the day, and International Fight Week had, had a lot of people there because of the convention and all the festivities going on. So it was a proper, proper way. And they're at the T-Mobile, you know, a lot of fans, ninth Island came strong. And, you know, at that point in time, I, all I could say goes is so far it had been something that we just hadn't had in a few years because of the pandemic. And it was good to see it all back, especially when you would just go on Twitter and see random things happening all over the city. Well, you know, a lot of things have happened since casinos started to open up a little bit, since the mask man mandate went away, there's been some big boxing matches and things of that nature, but none of them have really had this type of feel. This actually had the feel of what things were like pre-COVID. And I thought that was nice, man. I really did feel like uh, you feel like you live in a fight town when that goes down. It seems like they put a little bit more into their expo than they have in the past. So, Good on them and good on the fighters. You know, if you're chosen to be on this card, they're saying a lot about you because this is their biggest card. So, yeah, you better make weight. You better try and put on the best performance you can because uh, they picked you for a reason. And, you know, overall, I think things were good. A couple, couple fighters we got to say goodbye to. I'm sure we'll get to that. But uh, for the most part, I, thought I, get, I give them a big pat on the shoulder. Yeah, I saw a lot of stars in town. I saw Dustin Poirier. Davison Figueredo, Henry Cejudo, Valentina Shevchenko, Francis Ngannou, Kamaru Usman. Oh, they did have a UFC 278 press conference as well for Usman and Edwards. So, like I say, they were just hitting it all. Now, Dana White was missing, and I thought he was missing during the week because, well, because stuff can happen, you know. Every, every time you see somebody missing, you just wonder, well, are they being protected because of uh, of COVID? Maybe they're just, you know, taking a back seat. But when I noticed Dana White was missing and John Anik had to handle the press conference, I just thought, hmm, I wonder what's up here. There's maybe he wants to just stay from the controversial topics because the media will say, is he 
Tell us about uh, your preparations for Cannoneer. Cannoneer, tell us about your preparations for Izzy. Volk, can you believe what Holloway said? Holloway, do you have a reaction to Volk's reaction to you? Oh, hey, Dana, while you're there, Dana, what, you know, Jake Paul. And I think sometimes he wants to get away from that. So in this instance, John Anik was running it, and I still wasn't thinking anything goes. Then the weigh-ins come in, and I'm like, hmm, what's going on here? And then fight night he was missing. Now I'm hearing behind the scenes he was on vacation. What a fucking dumb week to take a vacation. Terrible. You know, I, I, that, that's got to be a lie. Yeah, that doesn't sound right to me because Dana White, for as much as he works, um, this is kind of the payoff. I think this is the time that he actually enjoys where he gets to rub elbows with celebrities and get high fives from them. And uh, it, it's pretty much all about what he helped build. I, I would be shocked if he missed that for, for just a vacation, just to have fun. Oh, exactly. But, but my source is a, is a good friend of mine, and and I just didn't feel like getting into it, honestly. So I was like, all right, dude, whatever. But, yeah, like, I mean, he's got a little daughter, right? And she's not even of the age to get married. But aside from maybe, ah, oh, Daddy, I chose this date before you chose international. I mean, even then I could see Dana White going, Honey, we're so filthy rich. We'll just move it all. You know, one, two weeks later, we're doing International Fight Week. I'll pay for everyone's flights. So I, I, I almost can't see anything that, that would stop him from being at International Fight Week. What I am getting at, though, is more than likely this could be uh, health reasons. And if it is, you know, you always hear him go, I can't hear out of this ear. Of course, there's COVID. And if it is any of that, hey, blessings to the man, you know, and his family. I hope you're healthy. But yeah, he was just missing all the way through uh, UFC 276 fight day. And I just thought that was unusual. It just doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel right for him not to be around for something like that. Yeah, I agree. All right. Um, but that's, you know, let's get back to, I guess, the fight. So now we get to, to the fight day. So again, everyone made weight. Uh, fight week's going good. All the festivities. We're seeing people around town that we haven't seen some we haven't met we had never met till this week so that's all good fine and dandy and then we all wake up on saturday and you know it was, it was basically fight day and it was you know it goes and i went to extreme couture for a little while saw a few people there and then just couldn't wait couldn't wait to get back so we could host the watch along preview show oh shout out to danny segura and dan tom and goes of course Great, great preview show. So that really actually got the juices flowing for Migos. And uh, the first fight of the night was Julia Stolarenko against Jesse Jess Clark, or Jessica Rose Clark, but her nickname is Jesse Jess. And because she's been to the studio a few times, I was, you know, just openly like, all right, let's go, JRC. Um, however, she got submitted in round one by Stolarenko. And I was shocked because. I thought Jesse Jess was basically the better fighter everywhere, you know, and I thought other than look out for the arm bar, I, I couldn't see too many ways for Stulianko to win, but she pulled it off. Dude, that was a nasty, nasty arm bar. What were your thoughts on Jessica kind of saying she held on a little too long? She didn't seem upset on fight night, and I'll have to go back and rewatch it, but I didn't see anything that was too horrible. You know, there's like that. There's like this, I don't know if it's a second, half second, or if it's even a moment of time that you that you necessarily worry about. You just know from when you see it 
until when the referee tells you to let go. It's basically after that. You know what I mean? Because you could, out of courtesy, let go as the referee saying, you know, stop, stop, stop. But if if he's not saying that and you're just waiting for him to get there and basically break up the hold, you're not in the wrong. Oh, man, over the years, I've seen referees have to pull the hold off of fighters. And that's where I feel like they're really, it's really an egregious foul. I did not see that this time. Like Paul Harris, right? I mean, see the Correct. streak that going on. Correct. Because they say the fighters can be so zoned out that they just don't know any better. But uh, I, I, you know, to be fair, I'll watch it over again. But I remember on fight night, I didn't see anything that was um, out of line from Stolyarenko. Yeah, me neither. Yeah, she had to go to the hospital. and She says she is going to need a surgery. Uh, Clark said that. Macy Barber defeated Jessica I. Jessica I retired immediately after the fight. Jessica I did take one round. Barber won the other two. Barber won one and three. Jessica I won. Uh, Barber won one and three, and I won uh, round two. So going into round three was still a fight. I don't know if she would have retired had she won. She basically was most of her game was kind of up against the the cage, and you know throwing knees and elbows and punches and maybe trying to you know drag the fight to the ground. That was basically what Jessica I was doing. Jessica I used to like to box a lot more when she was younger, uh, and I was surprised she didn't do more of that. She really wanted to go more with the Greco Roman wrestling type of attack, and you know in the end it wasn't there. I did see her in pretty good shape. She had gone back to Cleveland and. Worked with the strong style gym. So I, I don't believe in any way did she phone it in, but she just said, Hey man, I want to see what else there is out there in life. Of course, we all know she is on OnlyFans and apparently does well for herself there. So maybe that's just her thing going forward. She already made it up to being a top contender, fought for the title, didn't go well that night, but still respect, you know, like that's kind of what every fighter wants is at least to they all want to be a world champion but if not at least did i get there at least did i get that one chance to go for the gold and she did and she just came up a little bit short so we wish her the best nice gal when she came to the studio covered her all the way since her bellator days um but in this case it was macy barber's night yeah i think you know the writing i think was on the wall if she would have won i know she loves being a ufc fighter you know, she has kind of gone through and endured a lot in her career. So to get to that pinnacle, I think she really loved and enjoyed being a UFC fighter. But I think the writing was on the wall that if she lost this fight, probably wasn't going to be a UFC fighter anymore. And so, you know, yeah, there are little little options outside of the UFC that can make you money. And if that's the route she wants to go, I get it. As far as her MMA career goes, it just, uh, she was a girl that's kind of a tough out. But she didn't seem to really be improving, and I th- and I don't think it's for a lack of trying. I think it was just motivation. She she didn't look like she was having as much fun as when we first started interviewing her in her career. Agreed. And I think a lot of it was just the when the L's keep mounting up, you know, it's it's just nowhere near the same. And what's weird goes is we'll get to it. Volkanovski and fucking Adesanya seem so bitter, yet they were the winners. I think these fighters just they go through so much and some of it some of them can't handle the mental stress and the mental pressures that come with the sport but we'll get to them when when we have a chance but yeah man very cheerful pleasant to be around but during the losing streak it's just 
everyone treats you differently as well. Let's be fair as well. Like, you know, you're the toast of the town when you're winning, but when you're not, that phone ain't ringing. And, you know, not everyone reacts to that very, you know, the same. Um, so anyway, in the third fight of the night, this was the final of the early prelims. Andre Muniz defeated Uriah Hall. This went to a decision. And in this fight, Muniz has been very, very slick on the ground. He got Uriah Hall down a couple times early. He would get a, a body lock triangle or just two hooks in, take that back. And I thought, oh, man, it's just going to be a matter of time. But two, Hall's de uh, defense, his sub-defense was there. He created a couple scrambles where he was able to get up. But eventually, just too much time was racked with uh, Munoz in a dominant position on the ground you know, trying to go for the submission. And so there, there just wasn't enough scoring to be done by Hall to bring him around. Uh, in the second round, he did get on top and had about a 10-second flurry that I think if that had been more of a 30-second flurry, maybe he could have in that round, but he didn't. And that said goes, when they stood, Hall didn't really make them pay, you know. So there's just nothing to say other than congrats to Muniz, who's on like five or six straight in the UFC since he came through Contender Series, he's looking pretty good. Yeah, that was Uriah Hall's moment at the end of round two. You're right. If there was just a little bit more time, I think he could have put something together. But you know, this is not this is not Uriah Hall, the guy that shows promise anymore. This is an established veteran, and I don't know that he's figured it out. Um, he has all the talent in the world. You know, everybody says it in the gym. He's super fast. He can hit you from any angle. He just doesn't seem to put it together for long periods of time. And that's what you need to be a world champion, right? You look at a guy like Alexander Volkanovsky, and, and what's the first thing that stands out, right? That freaking streak he's got going. Like, he puts it together, and not only that, continues to evolve and improve. And I don't know that we've been able to see that from Uriah Hall. Yeah. And, you know, he's now in the upper 30s. He's falling out of the rankings. Um, he, You know, he can take the positive in that he, he didn't get submitted like a lot of us thought he would if he hit the fight, hit to the, you know, hit the ground early in one of the rounds. That, that didn't happen. But, again, just him along with what I'm about to say about Tavares, when they had a chance to stand and go and snag that round, there's this hesitancy that I see with some of the older fighters. You just kind of lose a little bit of your edge, I guess, you know, and what you used to do when you were younger, when you were more reckless and put yourself out there, it could pay off. And sometimes you overthink things. You're so much, you're processing so much, just kind of like it when you buy an, uh, a new laptop, a new Mac laptop, you know, in 2017 in, and it's 2017 and, the thing is flying. It's fast. You just click a button and pages are opening. But now that 2017 and 2022 is slow to load because it's thinking, it's processing. And I think that's what fighters are doing a little bit of too much. And then the rounds just, you know, five minutes, four minutes, three minutes, two minutes, clack, clack. Next thing you know, 10 seconds, that last flurry. Nope, nope. That's not going to get it. That's not going to get it done. So Again, Muniz has just been uh, on a nice roll. Muniz had some nice strikes when he was standing. Congrats to him. And, yeah, Uriah Hall, man, not only did he communicate, I just don't – I'm just not letting these go. Um, I'm declining. 
he almost just made the matchmaker's job easier. You know, I don't know. I'm not wishing that he gets cut. You know, that's not what I'm trying to say. But when you're gassing and you're not throwing, like, what can you do? You know, like the at some point the promotion just has to make a difficult decision, and that's that's something that happens in all sports. You see it in the NBA and the NFL. You know, you you just aren't what you were, and we're paying you a lot of money. We have to make a decision, and who knows? Who who knows what might happen with with him going forward? But that shelf life in other sports is so much longer, and you can change identities. Like in the NBA, you could be a star, but after a while, you can kind of just be a support guy, right, on a team. This sport is so brutal, right, because it's just one man out there, one woman, and and you have to do everything for yourself. The shelf life on a fighter is just not that long, and that's what's sad. It's like the second you're, you're not responding, there's just a younger crop of, of fighters that are. And then brutal sport. And then on fight week, is he doing himself any favors by just being kind of not friendly or difficult with the with the media? Like I've seen a lot of fighters who are really rough around the edges earlier in the career, and then when they get older, it's like they get it, and then they start having fun. Case in point, Robbie Lawler used to be the biggest dud on uh, on press week or whatever it's called, the press conferences, fight week, and falling asleep. One word answers and now it seemed like at some point he realized okay they got a job to do i got a job to do you know i've benefited from them doing their job and so i you know i plus now i got kids i don't want my kids seeing me falling asleep at a press conference you know i want my kids to see that their dad had a personality appreciation for what where they were they weren't just some miserable prick punching the clock you know and wishing they weren't there you know and so anyway, I, like I say, I've had the most pleasant conversations with Uriah outside of the octagon. And, you know, he does have a chip on his shoulder. Um, he's cool to talk to, amazing to watch at practice. And then on fight day, man, when he fucks someone up, it's a thing of beauty. And then when he doesn't, it's like, you know, it's just it's rough to watch. So anyway. I always wish all these fighters the best. I'm not saying you should retire, and I'm not saying there should be a cut. I'm just saying I watch the sport. I see how they work. I bet you it gets discussed. Yeah, it has to. It's it's unfortunate, but it's not like uh, this should be all catching him by surprise. I think he knows. And, and honestly, I think he's going to have a lot of regrets at the end of his career, which is unfortunate. And goes, I've seen a lot of NBA and NFL players where it is their final year. And they come into camp early, five pounds uh, lighter, stronger, dedicated, because they know there's a chance to get that contract, right? Then they get the contract, they get a signing bonus, and then guess what? Then the next couple of years, they go back to maybe just being comfortable. And, and I'm sure the teams are well aware of it as well, but it's the timing of it all, you know? And so I don't even know what Uriah Hall's contract situation is. He may have two more. I don't know. But remember, this sport is not a guaranteed sport. They can cut you off a lot. So when your back's to the wall like that, like you want to, you want to perform. Like I'll, I'll give Jessica I again. She came in shape. She was on a losing streak, but if they were willing to give her one more, you know, she didn't show that she was the most horrible fighter out there. She's just kind of, kind of at this point, I guess, more of a gatekeeper. Like her run is over. 
she had her run at 35 and and then she she got her ass handed to her you know in her last few fights at 35 so then she drops to 25 wins three in a row gets that title shot and now things aren't going her way for her there either but you know if she wanted to hang in there and keep getting you know another contract then at least what i can see is she put in the work for this camp yeah yeah we'll see i mean honestly i think if he wants another fight he'd probably get it but uh he didn't do himself a service in the things he was saying as well Drikas Dublessi defeated Brad Tavares. Brad Tavares won the first round 10-9, then lost in the last two 10-9. Dublessi was, he started to damage Brad. And as, I thought Dublessi was, hit a wall first. And I thought, wow, Brad won the first round and he's fresher. But Dublessi, tired or not, he just exploded at the right time, had some great fighter IQ, and then damaged Brad, and then, he actually won the fight, you know. Um, it was a very winnable fight for Brad Tavares, but Duplessis, as tired as he was, he still, when he had his moments to throw a strike, he was, and Brad was a little bit more hesitant. Um, Brad had a lot of damage on his face, and it's unfortunate. I really wanted Brad to win this fight. He's really slowed down in terms of the amount of fights he's had because of injuries, so I wanted him to get kind of on a win streak, you know, maybe – this would be the first because he hadn't fought in a year. I wanted him to, by this time next year, say, "Wow, he went on a three and zero run in the last twelve months." But wasn't the case. The South African got the job done. Let's see. He's kind of he impressed me, man. It, there were times where he took some hard shots where I thought he was going to get put away. Actually, by Brad, he looked tired at the end of the first round, but somehow he hit the second wind. And you know what he did to to Brad to the nose, I think, was just unbearable for him. You know. It, you're in the second round of a fight. You can barely breathe. This guy won't stop coming forward. Um, I mean, you got to give that kid his props, dude. That was fun to watch. Both both guys get a ton of respect for that fight. I agree. Ian Gary defeated Gabe Green. Fun fight to watch, even though Green lost. He competed. Gary has a lot of promise. I think he's getting a little bit ahead of himself. Says he says he's going to stay undefeated. He'll go down as the greatest. Hey, there's a chance it might happen, but. I believe that's a .05 chance to stay undefeated. Uh, it doesn't happen very often, Ian Gary. It's nothing against you, man. Uh, could you become a world champ? Sure. In fact, I think it'd probably be easier to become a world champ than to stay undefeated. But, um, you know, he's bashing cocky, and it's fun. It's refreshing. I like to see that. So I have I have no problem with Ian Gary all week. If you asked me to give him a grade, I'd say, yeah, an A. You know, good for him. He's undefeated. He made his name known, and then on fight night, he performed. Well, it's just that. He he looks good, and he looks very promising, but I don't know that he gives those kinds of vibes off just yet. You know, those mm-hmm. you can kind of see early on from fighters, little little glimpses of greatness. I don't know that we've gotten that. He just looks like a good fighter. Mm-hmm. Could develop into that, though. You never know. Yeah. Jim Miller defeats Donald Cerrone. Immediately after the fight, Donald Cerrone retires. And Jim Miller now has the most wins in the UFC. So congrats to both. First, Cerrone on a great career. He didn't have a major title to his name, but the dude was a gangster. He fought a lot. He was an active fighter. He fought last minute. He was a good servant to the UFC. He had a popular shtick with the cowboy thing going. And, you know, he did become a title challenger a couple times in the WEC and the UFC. So good for him. 
And I believe because of that tenure and that service that eventually he'll be in the Hall of Fame one day. And then as far as Jim Miller, I kind of feel the same way for him just because of how long he's been doing it. And if he can fight at UFC 100, 200, and 300, like he says, I think he'll, based off seniority as well, you know, he'll get in. The UFC Hall of Fame isn't all about accomplishments and separating the icons from everyone else. I think the UFC has a lot of gratitude towards the ones that helped them build it. And we're still we're still in a stage, maybe not the leather helmets, but we're still in the early stages of this sport. Those other sports I mentioned earlier, a lot of them are reached 100 years. I think the NBA just did 75 years this past season or the season before. Um, baseball, of course, foot, uh, soccer, over 100 years each. So, you know, this sport's not even 30 years old. So that, that's why I think both guys will probably eventually be in the UFC Hall of Fame. But um, it was a fun fight to watch, that guillotine. You know, I thought Cowboy would get out of it. Cowboy's pretty slick on the ground. But once he went, you know, inverted, that was going to be tough to escape. I thought Cowboy looked pretty good, actually, up until all that went down. So did I. Um, but, you know, that, that's what Jim Miller's game, his game is all about, right? He can catch you at any moment. And, um, all I know is that when that fight started, I couldn't help but think Cowboy may have taken it to Joe Luzon pretty bad. But the same way Jim Miller was able to pull off a submission like that, that's kind of what Joe Luzon can do at any moment as well. So who knows? You know, Unfortunately, we'll never get to see that fight now because Cowboy's walking away, and he deserves it to do what, what makes him happy. And you know, he said it pretty well. I mean, if he's not having fun doing what he's doing, then he shouldn't be out there because this is a dangerous sport. As far as Hall of Fame goes, it's weird, George. I honestly hate the Hall of Fame because in every other sport, the Hall of Fame represents greatness. And I don't know that it does that in the UFC, but we're kind of past that already. I don't know if we can fix that anymore. So really, you got to figure out some kind of way to respect guys like like a Jim Miller, a Donald Cerrone, a, a Joe Lozon, these lunch pail guys that did a lot for the sport. There's got to be a way to honor them. But I wouldn't say that they're Hall of Fame members. I mean, it's just, it's reserved for greatness. But again, it seems like we're past that point. Um, maybe one day we get like a true Hall of Fame and that it can go down that way. But uh, something has to be done to recognize Donald Cerrone and what he's done in the sport. Yeah, I would agree. And I was thinking as you were talking, can the future generations do some of the things that these guys did? have done can someone fight at ufc 300 400 and 500 i don't know they get paid better they fight less frequently they kind of scrutinize their matchups their contract situations like i see the sport evolving in that regard where uh, a lot of those tough hombres that just step up on a week's notice there's not going to be many of them there's your kevin hollands you know there's a few exceptions uh, homeboy was trying to do it the other day too. Um, Pinero, you know, like there's a few that can kind of pull it off, but I don't know. I don't know that we'll have too many going forward, but we'll see. The sport always surprises me. There's always new characters that come through. They're all just built differently. But for now, like I say, we congratulate both guys. 
go to the next fight. Pedro Munoz. Sorry, Jalen Turner against Brad Riddell. Quick work there for Jalen Turner. He got it all done in less than a minute over Brad Riddell. Submission, mounted guillotine choke. And, you know, Riddell was part of that city kickboxing team that wanted to go 3-0. They wanted to kind of take the baton from Carlos Olberg the week before. And but he went up against the tarantula. Tarantula's tough, man. Six three, all of six three. It's a big cat out there, and he's now on a five six fight win streak. So congrats to him. Jalen Turner's tough, and the one thing that I hope doesn't happen for him is that he doesn't become one of these guys that needs to streak like to eight or ten. He needs to take one more jump here, another progression. He looked incredible. I love watching that guy fight, and I think he can get better. I would agree with that. All right, we make it to the main card, the pay-per-view. Pedro Munoz against Sean O'Malley. So I was licking my chops, dude. I really enjoyed the prelims, a couple retirements. And as you re- recall, this is four fights into our watch-along. We're, Brett, we're busting opening the, the rum, and I'm having a good time. And I thought, man, this, this thing's just going to take off now. And look, it was an interesting fight. The first round, Pedro Munoz, he got the 10-9 on two judges' scorecards. Sean O'Malley says he was checking a lot of the kicks. Pedro Munoz, I felt, was landing a few. But I did mention on the watch-along, some of those are getting checked. And both guys competed well. You know, this was two high-level guys, man, at 135 pounds. But, of course, all the eyes were on O'Malley. And... We get to round two. I thought O'Malley was taking control of that round, and I thought, okay, we might have a situation here where it's 1-1 going into round three. But before we could make it there, there was an eye poke. And as you all know, when you have an eye poke and the referee splits you guys up, the one thing you don't want to hear is, I can't see, especially when the doctor's in front of you. What you can say is, um, I'm having a, I'm having trouble seeing, but it's going to clear up. Can you give me some water and a towel? You know, anything like that that lets them know it's just like the eye pokes we've all gotten on the playground or horsing around at home where you're like, ah, give me a second, give me a second, I'll be back, you know. And so even though you don't get the solid five minutes that you do for a, a, a groin shot, the referees have kind of found ways in where they can buy you some time because we don't want the fight to be stopped on something that usually clears up. Of course, the fans start giving their opinions and – now the pressure really, really is huge on the fighter to continue because most of the times they do. But in this case, Munoz is sticking to his guns. I can't see. I, I can't see anything out of this eye, you know, and it's really bothering me. So right away, I'm taking stock. I'm taking inventory in my head. I'm thinking, this guy a puss? I don't remember him being a puss. I, I, I remember him always making weight, putting on tough fights. Even when he loses, he's respectful. He's honorable. I don't think this guy's looking for any sort of a way out. Hell, he won the first round, you know. I thought all three judges would have given it to him, but it turns out two of them had, which is enough. However, you know, the crowd mounts a lot of pressure on you. And then next thing you know, man, he's uttered those words. I just can't see. The ref starts huddling with the ref. Boom, they wave it. Oh, and I thought, I wonder if Munoz was just looking for more time or maybe looking to see if Herzog would react in a way where he's going to eat penalize uh o'malley because i heard him say it that's two times it's two times back to back and i hadn't remembered the other one the other one could have just been a knuckle in the eye like like 
or DC. Yeah, maybe maybe he meant the fouls or something. But next thing you know, the the fight was over, and I felt like it just took some life out of the event. At least for me personally, you know, because I was really looking forward to this fight. I wanted to see how it would end. Uh, of course, I always think about the fighter, and it turns out the fighter did go to the hospital. And one of the VPs over at the UFC, Reed Harris, on social media was saying, "Nah, man, you guys got it all wrong. This guy's a tough guy. He really was injured. It's a scratch cornea. Um, you know, get off this guy's back. Give him some time to recover. We wish him the best." Well, every, everybody has a credit report, right? So you look at Pedro Munoz's credit report, and he never strikes me as the type of guy that would do something like this. And um, the only thing that I'll say that was somewhat unfortunate was I think he could have taken a little bit more time. But who knows? He was in so much pain, and the way it looked the next morning, maybe there's just more to that. But I, I thought maybe he could have taken a little bit more time. But, uh, yeah, I mean, look, dude. For fighters to even get into the sport, you got to be a little nutty. And then to get into the cage at the highest level, you got to have a screw loose. So I don't think he's at all scared. And 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 if he's going to be, I don't think it's going to be against a guy like Sean O'Malley. Nothing against Sean O'Malley, but it's not like he's known for knocking your block off or, or anything like that. You know, he's got some KOs, but, but still, it's not like you're in there with Mike Tyson. You got to give the guy the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. And O'Malley at the press conference was saying 100%. He thought he was looking for a way out, but I, I just didn't see it. I did not see someone that that was that O'Malley had put into a position where he needed to look for a way out. I didn't see him like someone that was fading. He was more tired than O'Malley. Yeah, I'll give O'Malley that. But he didn't look like anyone where the gas tank was down to 20% or 10% or anything like that. I saw him maybe running around 50. I saw O'Malley running around 75. O'Malley was doing pretty good, man. In between rounds, he was just re- really catching his breathing and honing himself and getting himself ready. But, hey, like we mentioned, Duplessis was taking deep breaths against Tavares between the first and second round. And then those tables changed with a couple of strikes. So I, I thought O'Malley got that part wrong. And it's funny because O'Malley during fight week kind of grew on me a little bit. I see the swag. I see the cockiness. But he's not doing anything that is so far out of the realm where you're like, oh, God, this guy's turning into a space cadet. Like, he's a weirdo, you know, because I'm sorry, man, but a lot of these athletes, a lot, especially in our fight game, and this goes for boxing too, they just, I don't know, man. They, I, I, I don't know what happens with superstardom and fame and and money where all of a sudden they, they just become a, a little bit different. You know, they, they can't seem to manage staying humble or, or staying a, a regular dude and i know it's not i know it's not I, I i would probably be guilty of the same thing i'll get to it more when we make it to the co-main the main but geez man once you win your fight fucking a slow down a little bit and and we'll get to that um here we are again where we we just don't know what the hell we have with Sean O'Malley. He lost round one. I'm sorry. That's me. He lost round one. Thought he was winning round two. But we still don't understand truly what we have with this kid. And time is just passing by. He's collecting paychecks. He had a really weird reaction at the end. I I, I don't know. That, that's the, the infuriating part with me is we still just can't figure this out. Should we rebook those two? Uh, Yeah. Yeah, I don't see why not. Yeah. Um, 
O'Malley kind of almost seemed like he wasn't as disappointed that the fight had ended. And I don't know. Like, I I, I want to see more of the competitor vibe from him. Mm-hmm. I, I would have hoped that he wanted some resolution. This fight was going to make him take a step forward. And to me, it just looked like, oh, well, I guess things go down every once in a while in the hood. And that's that. Let me know when you need me again. Right. You know, I go paid anyway. Yeah, that sort of thing. Yeah, he was asking for that second check in the press conference. If the UFC's done it in the past, then pay O'Malley. I will say that. If the UFC hasn't done it in the past, because technically no one won, then I just don't think he's going to get paid, you know? And sorry, but that's kind of what you have to live with a little bit. Um, You know, I know they checked their nails before they, they fight, but after seeing Izzy's nails, I, I hope the commission really, really makes these fighters make sure that they, you know, they really have trim nails because, um, you know, I, I don't know. I didn't look at O'Malley's nails, but nails. But after looking at Izzy's, I'm thinking, wow, I, had that finger gone in O'Cannonier's eye, for sure he wouldn't have started. He wouldn't have been able to go. He says it's really not the length, but bullshit. I could see him sitting up there, and I could see the nail hanging out. That's his look. Okay, I, I don't like the look. That's fine. But, no, you just can't have long nails either. And when eye pokes are as common as they are, you know, I think the commission just needs to say, look, man, this isn't a fashion show. This is a fight. You know what I mean? And this is just kind of the way it works. So anyway, um, let's go on to the next fight. The next fight was the featured bout. Oh, no, no, no. Brian Barberina against Robbie Lawler. It was goes what I thought it was going to be. Uh, the hoot nanny that you like to say. They went at it, except I was expecting to see a more complacent Lawler. Boy, homeboy came to fight just like Jessica. I upper 30s kind of on the on the decline but no he really came to fight he was breathing well he came in shape you could tell he put in a camp he had a game plan and um you know he was covering up when he needed to and then he was uncorking those heavy bricks that are attached to his wrist um credit to barbarina man that guy has a chin he took some shots but he would not go away and then he started getting his elbow game going and then finally he hit uh, he pieced up uh, Lawler. Lawler was stopped kind of on the – he was still standing, but you could tell he was on the verge of getting knocked out. I thought it was a good stoppage. Congrats to Barbarina. It was a great fight, man. It was kind of what I was expecting out of Strickland and Pineda, O'Malley and Munoz. Maybe not O'Malley and Munoz as much, but for sure, that I knew this fight would be good. I think Robbie Lawler – He's probably watched that fight today and kicked himself a little bit. I thought he looked phenomenal. I thought he looked really, really good, really, really poised. Like he knew something Barbarina didn't know. Uh, great defense, but he just wouldn't throw as much. And I think when he got Barbarina hurt, he just didn't capitalize. It's almost like he just felt like I'll get to it when I get to it. And time ran out, and he let Barbarina believe in himself too much. And I don't know that Robbie Lawler understands, even at his age, how fucking scary it is to look across the cage and see him there and know the things that he's done to other fighters. It's got to mess with you. So the last thing you want to do is give your opponent any type of confidence. I thought Robbie could have won that fight. I'll be honest. Props to Barbarina for hanging around and then turning it around on Robbie. But I thought Robbie could have won. Yeah. He really had devised the game plan where he was going to throw, uh, be efficient, 
not spend so much energy that he would be exhausted and eventually he would connect and put him out and his heavy artillery was going to outdo Barbarina's volume. I thought it was headed that way because he would just cover up, move his head, you know, everything was glancing off his forearms. Barbarina just couldn't get a clean shot in. And then all of a sudden, those some of those sneaky elbows, upward elbows, lead elbows, you know, forearm bashes, he started mixing it up. And some of that body work that Barbarina did early in the fight, too, I think um, it paid off. You know, it just was one other thing that Lawler had to think about. So they both earned 50000 by the way, for the fight of the night. So congrats to both. I'll go over the other bonuses in a sec. And now let's get to the featured battle of the night. Alex Fajeda defeated Sean Strickland. TKO in the first round. It all started with a vicious left hook. Then a couple rights as Strickland was going down. I thought for a second there that maybe Strickland could grab a hold of his leg because he wasn't completely flatlined. But, uh, yeah, I mean, those, those were some big, pretty big shots. I thought the referee was okay. If this was pride, Pajeda was in a perfect place to heel stomp him. <laughs> it wouldn't have been pretty. But I was really, really bummed because, again, I love the finishes. I want nothing more than finishes. And some quick finishes are amazing, like Masvidal and Askren. But, geez, like, I want to see some fighting, too. I want to see both guys perform, like Lawler and Barbarina. Lawler had his moment where you thought, shit, he's going to kick Barbarina's ass. Strickland didn't have that moment. Strickland with his game where he likes to, you know, push you and push you and parry and move and parry and throw and throw and throw. And then he builds up to a point where all of a sudden you got zero in your gas tank and he's still going. We hadn't even built up to that, you know, and Pajeda clipped them and that's it. I felt like I was robbed of that, the potential of how great that fight could be, as well as O'Malley and Munoz. And so that's why I was like, oh, you know, I wasn't the happiest camper going into the fight. But congrats to Pajeda. Dude, if you're facing a world-class striker like that, the last thing you can do is be consistent in your attack. And Sean Strickland was just kind of doing the same thing over and over. And it was somewhat working to a certain extent. But that's the thing about these type of strikers, you know, boxers, kickboxers. You can't give them the same shit because it's a puzzle and they're going to figure it out. They're going to figure out how to get around it. And he did exactly that. And boy, did he make him pay for that. And I know they don't want to walk into a knee either. But you could still faint from the outside just to put it in their head for a second, there was nothing that told Pajeda, I might wrestle. Here it comes. You right. stay on your toes. You know, it was just kind of like the same thing. Now, that said, Strickland, who says a lot of controversial, a lot of stuff that's over the line, past the line, in a way, I've kind of figured this guy out a little bit, and I think some of it is just like ignorance. And uh, nobody wants to be called that, but I think Strickland admits that he's guilty of that. Like, I just don't know any better, man. You know, I had a rough upbringing, and, hey, if you tell me it's wrong, I'll try and learn from it. And then some stuff, you know, who knows? Could be – I don't know. And I'm definitely not going to defend him um, because, like I say, he he definitely has done some line crossing. But, you know, he, he had put out a quote or a tweet, man. He goes, man, I'm – Boom. Like I was, he, he basically was letting us know he was gutted because that was a chance, dude. He set up something so beautiful during fight week where if he won, he had to be next for Izzy. Mm -hmm. 
I think the UFC, when they saw him react that way, probably thought we shouldn't have put these two together because we could have maybe gotten them both to fight Izzy, right? Yeah. yeah I'm sure they're kicking, kicking themselves a little bit on that. I mean, that's hard to predict, but but Sean just really came out of his shell and really sold that fight before it even happened. And now, unfortunately, we're not going to be able to see it, but we are left with something that's pretty damn interesting. We are. A guy that's 2-0 against Israel Adesanya in kickboxing, one decision and one KO. And, you know, he had a beautiful finish of Sean Strickland. And, you know, obviously this will be personal because Israel, it's not that he doesn't like to talk about it. He talks about it. There's not, There's really no way around it. But um, that was in another sport. And right now Israel is flying high in MMA. So... I'm sure he'll find ways to, you know, fire back. But, you know, Pajeda, I don't even think, speaks English. I haven't heard much English out of him. So it won't be anything, like, that'll kind of get under his nerves the way Holloway was getting under Volkanovsky. And speaking of Holloway versus Volkanovsky, that was the co-main event. Boy, was I wrong. <laughs> I said, ah, I think I think Volkanovsky looked good just because Korean Zombies past his prime i'm not convinced yet maybe he'll prove it to me saturday he fucking proved it to me that's for sure but i thought holloway you know he had gotten better since fight number two and i just thought holloway was gonna get him goes it's tough to beat a guy three times but volkanovsky did and this was the worst was ass whooping of all three dude i mean max holloway is known for doing this to other people so for somebody else to turn around and do it to him it was getting almost uncomfortable there towards the end. Volk, Volk wasn't tiring. Um, he was hardly getting hit. He was quick. He had power. I mean, I don't know what, what to think anymore. But boy, boy, did he put on a performance. It's one of the best performances I've ever seen a champion put on. And when you think about the level of opponent that was on the other side, it's like amazing that it was against Max Holloway. Um, but yeah, dude, that, this is a guy that everybody's going to be talking about Monday morning. Everybody's going to be talking about Alexander Volkanovsky. Wasn't the main event? He was the co-main event. Even the main event, Israel Adesanya, who we'll get to, even he kind of said Volk stole the show. He really did. He looked phenomenal. He really looks like he's levels above everyone else in his division. So if he wants to talk about going to 155, which I don't think he should, but if he wants to, he's entitled to. Now, he's also got to understand that if the UFC says no, because we already promised Oliveira one half of that, and we got 55ers that are doing really, really good in the 55 division, it may be a bit much to have you come jump over them. Now, I know the guy wants to be a champ champ. I respect that, but I still feel like there's one or two more people there that he needs to beat, and then we make that move. One of them is Josh Emmett. The other one is... Yair Rodriguez, if Yair Rodriguez can get by Brian Ortega. I feel like he will have earned a shot, and even though he wouldn't have accomplished as much as Emmett, Emmett's now won five in a row over some really, really solid names, man. Um, he's marketable, popular, and comes from a, a sporting country, a combat sports-rich country of Mexico. I, I, it'd be hard for me to see the UFC turning away from that. So I feel like there's a couple more there. He's got four title defenses now, does Volkanovsky. Um, and, you know, he's going to get a little bit of a bump in the 
pound for pound rankings. He's going to move ahead of uh, Francis Ngannou. Francis Ngannou only's got one title defense, and Wokanasi's got a better overall record. And Francis Ngannou's hurt, you know, so he'll have to move aside. But of those four title defenses, two of them are against Max Holloway, and that's something that Kamaru takes a little bit of heat from. Oh, well, you got five, but uh, four of them are against the same two guys, you know. Now, I do want to throw out this stat goes about Wokanasi, or sorry, about Max Holloway. This is how incredible Max Holloway has been. In his last 16 fights, aside from the Wokanowski fights, Max Holloway is 16-0 with 10 finishes. Sure. You know, so he's been a stud as a featherweight. It's just that this guy's been his arch nemesis. This guy just happened to come in at the same time as he did. Otherwise, I think we'd be talking about Max Holloway being the greatest featherweight ever. And I know both guys paid all to a lot of respect, especially on a topic that I'm a bit, very, very fond of, which is title defenses. Title defenses are super, super important. So are head-to-head. Um, but now Volkanovski's closing. You know, he's closing on Aldo. Aldo had seven. Volkanovski's got four. But Volkanovski's also got that head-to-head. And Volkanovski's also got a better overall record. So the the case can easily be made for Volkanovski right now. But anyway, he doesn't seem as consumed about that. He seems more consumed with wanting to be a champ champ. Another thing he said was, I wanted to silence the people, stand up for what you are. I think he really took some of that criticism of, eh, we think Max got the second one. You're still not there yet. You know what I mean? I, I think that's really, really motivated him. And I think some of it comes from fans and media. And that's, you know, now he's trying to tell people, I'm the man. Now you're going to have to tell it like it is. Now you're going to have to include me as one of the greats. You know, in my division, in this sport, I, I, I could feel some of the venom was directed towards the media. Yeah, I could see that. Fans, too, though, you're right. Um, I think fans have been even more vocal about that. But here's the thing about Volkanovsky. I, I think fighters in this era are so quick to want to make money, you know, that uh, they want to do things like jump up a weight class and try and make these super fights, champ champs, all that. I hope that the UFC will take it upon themselves, wherever he's at in his contract, to just give him a new one. Make it big, but keep him where he's at. Just build up featherweight, man. Build up your legacy there. And then maybe, if anything, somebody can come up and fight you. You know, Henry Cejudo looks like he's on his way back. Maybe he could do something, and then maybe he can move up and fight Volk. Um, We saw them talking a little bit, so, I mean, that's always an option. But 155 just seems a little premature for me. And it, it doesn't mean that I feel like the guys at 145 are going to challenge them. I just like them to pile on some of these title defenses, really build that legacy at 145, and then go up and, and move up and fight one of those guys. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I think he's got a couple guys sitting there waiting for him in Arnold Allen, Josh Emmett, Yair Rodriguez. Maybe Bryce Mitchell's undefeated, man. There's no way around that. Arnold Allen, I think, only has one loss. Josh Emmett only has two losses. Um, and and then Yair Rodriguez, uber popular. He's got a good record. And if he can get past Ortega, like I say, he's going to have a case as well. Um, so there's there's some competition there. I think 55 needs to sort itself out. We need the champ. We need a champ, first of all. We know one of them will be Oliveira, but now I'm hearing Oliveira also wants to get paid, doesn't want Makashev, wants Conor McGregor. He's looking to get you know that money fight, but 
bro, the last thing you want is to fight Conor McGregor when you're not the champion. Get the belt first, then at some point petition to get Conor McGregor. If 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 they decide to go, all right, Oliveira, you're pricing yourself out. We're gonna have Benil and Makashev fight, or Volkanovski and Makashev fight, or whatever. And they phase out this kid. Then guess what? If he fights McGregor, I, I just don't see him getting those pay per view points like he would when he's a champ. I know some of them can negotiate something, but it definitely won't be as lucrative as being the champion. Mm-hmm. You know, the goal is always to be the champion. Always, 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 always. Uh, I would say this to our former landlord as well. Michael Chandler, I see you out there. Supposedly him and Poirier had to be separated. Why? I don't know. Chandler's like the nicest guy in the world. And Poirier's kind of nice too. So I don't know what was being said there. But I see him. You know, he wants to fight McGregor. He'll fight Masvidal, Poirier. And and, and I like that. But I like, I like Chandler when he's more focused on the title, man. When you hold the title, they all come to you. You know, they all knock on your door. Can Chandler play? You know what I mean? Instead of you going knocking on their door, and then they have to tell you, oh no, he's he's in the back doing his homework. He's got he's doing his chores, and he just boom, close the door on you. No, you call the shots when you're the champ. All fighters strive to be the champ. Um and, and you know, and Volkanovsky respect, man. He really looks good. I think he'd be a great fight for Makashev, Oliver. I'm convinced he is really, really, really good. And he's fighting at a high level. But right now, I still need to see one or two more fights. And then I'd like to see him move up. I will say this, though. He broke his hand in round two. So I don't know if that'll prevent him from, you know, being able to fight Emmett, who's on his timeline. or And he had a rough fight, too, against Cater. Or Yair, who fights in a few weeks against Brian Ortega at, at the ABC card in Long Island in mid-July. Or any of those other guys that that I may have mentioned, but um, and as far as fifty five goes, it looks like they really want to do it in Abu Dhabi, and it looks like Makachev and Oliveira is the leading candidate. So uh, we'll see, we'll see what happens. Benil Dariush, I haven't gotten a, a health update on him to see where he stands. McGregor says he doesn't even want to fight till next year. Nate Diaz is slapping reporters. Poirier can't seem to get a fight. It's all a big mess, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but let's get to the main event. Let's get to the main event. So, in the main event, uh, Alex, sorry, Israel Adesanya defeated Jared Cannonier by scores of 50-45 and 249-46. As I added 49-46 as well, that Cannonier took round three. And, you know, I'm not going to be as harsh on Izzy as others. You know, I know people were leaving in between rounds four and five. I think that was a product of the night where... Volkanovski was so dominant. I mean, you know, the Hawaiians had a rough night, man, with, you know, Tavares and and Holloway losing. And uh, it's been a long week. So it was evident Cannonier probably wasn't going to uncork and land one on Israel Adesanya because he really wasn't coming too close, honestly. So, but people were leaving. The Boobirds were out. And again, Izzy has fans that love him, but I know he's created a lot of fans that just are kind of over it, man, because he's changed a little bit. And he can't seem to figure out why that is. Um, I don't know that I can either, but I have some ideas. But anyway, again, in this fight, I saw Izzy going for the for the kill shot. He threw a couple head kicks, goes, and I'm telling you, I thought would have decapitated Jared Cannonier, but Jared Cannonier had some good reactions and he ducked out of him. Could he have been more active? Of course he could have, you know. But at the same time, 
Cannonier was a beast in front of him, and he wanted to make sure that you know he didn't get taken down and that he didn't uh you know he didn't get popped. Um so anyway, did you think Adesanya looked bad in, in any way or what were your thoughts? No. I thought he fought the perfect game plan. If I'm his coach, I'm super stoked at the way he went out there and fought. I thought it was amazing the way he kept distance, the way he he never really got put back up against the cage very often. He always knew where he was. He was one step ahead every single time. Like I, I thought that was a great performance from Israel Adesanya. He can't can't knock out everyone, especially a guy like Jared Cannon here. Um I, I honestly I didn't have any problem with that performance at all. Right. And this is where he's his own worst enemy. He wants these perfect performances each time. He has to just accept some wins or tough wins, and that's that. And if people are going to go, man, Anderson Silva used to get the job done. You just got to take that because it's true. Anderson Silva, there were times that he went to a decision. A lot of times he just got the job done. I mean, if you're consumed with the comparisons to Anderson Silva, on top of the fact he's already beaten Anderson Silva, past his prime and all that, but he did beat him. He got to compete against them. Then yeah, you're gonna be a, a really, really um you you're just gonna be like a, a frustrated guy, you know, in the sport. GSP would get a lot of criticism for his performances when he went to a decision. He would obliterate everybody. It was always 50-45, 50-44. But I never noticed him consumed with these goat things, these goat labels, or I'm the greatest, or did I pass Hughes already? You know, am I am I Hall of Fame bound? He just never did. He would sit there, answer the questions, and that's that. But now, look, anywhere GSP goes, goes, they open the door for him. He's labeled as the GOAT. People want his autographs because his accomplishments stand on their own, and yet he was able – I mean, yeah, of course he thought about the whole Martians and spaceships or whatever. I don't know. But – I don't think he has as bitter feelings as I'm seeing some of these fighters have in our sport. And a lot of it's because of the fans and the media. They're, they're just not going to give you a pass. You know what I mean? And but and that that's why I, I wish Israel would understand this. Israel's becoming almost unbearable at times in his press conference. You know, like the way he kind of treats people. And, bro, that's not the guy that I met. But I think it's just so consumed with, He's not good at taking criticism. He needs to have him and a lot of fighters need to get thicker skin. Yeah, it is different um, from the time that we met him in the studio. I mean, I, I think that kind of happens with every fighter, but the progression here is almost like what you would see in a movie, man, before this guy turns into Darth Vader or something. Uh, he should be able to enjoy that moment more than he did. He spent a lot of time fighting off criticism that he didn't really need to even bring up. You know, the guy uh, the guy just put on a masterful performance. Like, sulk in that a little bit. Talk about that. But don't yeah. fall into traps. Don't don't bring up beefs. And just be you. People were asking him, hey, you, you snapped the Drake curse. Oh, that's fucking dumb. That's something you guys made up. No, it's not. Just this year, Drake put money on Miles. It only lost. And then he put money on, who's the other one? We just said this the other day. The other one was, uh, oh, Rose? I forget. But it was just two this year, and he lost. So it's, it, it's fucking people having fun, man. Do, do you remember the EA curse, the John Madden curse? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, nobody really got shed tears over that one. 
it was just something that people said, hey, look, you know, 18 of the last 19 times or 10 in a row or this or that or whatever. It's nothing to, like, really be that upset about. And if anything, he just broke it. Drake just won half of or a quarter of a million dollars. He put up a million to win 250000 You came through for your boy. Ha, 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 ha. But it wasn't something stupid. It was something fun that, that, that actually had happened this year, you know? But he was all bent out of shape on that one. He was all bent out of shape when people were bringing up being John Jones. Well, don't you want to fill up the stadium when you fight John Jones? Now, that's part of these beefs is these quotes that are read back and forth and they react to it or whatever. But he wouldn't even let the reporter answer the uh, finish the question or anything. Um, you know, there were times where John Jones was fielding those same questions. And, you know, maybe he didn't get the finish or he just didn't look as good as in a previous fight or whatever. It just comes with the territory. Mm-hmm. Got to grow thicker skin. Yeah. Um, it's his fifth title defense. He goes with six because he says that when he was the interim champ and he unified with Robert Whitaker, he defended his interim title. All right, cool. But that's not the way it goes down in the history books. It's his fifth title defense. He matches Kamaru Usman. It's impressive. He made a uh, heavy hitter like Cannoneer look, I wouldn't dare say amateur, but he just it, it looked like he didn't really have nothing for the champ. And I think there's some strength and beauty in that, you know, in, in being able to make the number two guy at the time just look kind of ineffective. Yeah, sure. The last thing is somebody asked them, hey, who's someone that's up and coming that you think could be a problem for you in the future? He thought that was a great question. That's a shout out to Simon Head, our former colleague at MMA Junkie. And I'm thinking, I wonder if he thought Andre Muniz might be one. or It's it's similar to when Aljamain Sterling was giving props to Adrian Yanez about a year ago before Yanez was starting to really, really come out and become more popular. Um, but you have any idea who we might be talking about? No, I don't really. They're, uh, I mean, he's got a big task ahead of him. He's already laying the foundation for that. But beyond that, I mean, that's the problem, right? A lot of these guys he's faced twice, and the other guys that are kind of making that second jump, one of them just got eliminated, and the other one's standing right in front of him. So I, I really don't know who he could be talking about. Yeah, I was thinking Muniz, the guy that just beat um, Hall. That could be one. Uh, Brandon Allen is a middleweight. And pretty much everyone else is kind of like a, what do you call it, a, a veteran that he's already faced or just isn't, a pos- isn't in, an, in a position to fight him again. Uh, I think a few guys might get another shot, like like if Costa were to beat Luke Rockhold. Um, but I think he would have to do a little bit more than just beat Luke Rockhold. Vittori's already gotten his second shot, but Vittori just doesn't lose other than the Adesanya. And and Whitaker's gotten his second shot. So, I don't know. But I was trying to figure it out who he might be talking about. I guess I'm going with Andre Muniz. The last thing I want to say is, right at the very end, he wanted to thank the media, and then he said something like, hey, just remember this. I can do what you can what, you can do but you can't do what i can do i was like you're such a twat dude um you could just tell like he's so frustrated maybe it's not all media maybe it's not even you and i goes or maybe it is i don't know but what damian maya had a journalism degree he became a fighter that did what he did 
unless he means being champ, then sure, Maya didn't do that. But Maya competed as a welterweight and a middleweight for the title, and he had a great career. Um, if Cowboy's going in, Maya's going in. So no, uh, that can, the 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 opposite can happen too, Izzy. You know what I mean? Like. I didn't see his point. And then, frankly, yeah, he's got a YouTube channel. He can put out some content or whatever, but he couldn't cover the sport the way, you know, a Mike Bond could or whatever. So I just didn't understand the point of that quote. Uh, I didn't understand the point of the quote. I didn't understand why it needed to be said. Nobody nobody in the fucking world is wondering that. Exactly. But anyways, all right. So – we love you guys, the champs. You guys are outstanding. Adesanya, you, you really are amazing, and you are starting to head towards that Anderson Silva comparison territory. Um, all, all the best to you. Um, and then as far as Alexander Volkanovsky, same thing, man. Just fourth title defense. The fight was really exciting, even though it went to a decision. I think we still got just an incredible dominant performance so we salute you both and we'll be discussing a lot of this on spinning backclick check goes and i out on spinning backclick drops every tuesday check it out share it with your friends it's uh one of the franchises we came up with after we ended our run with sirius xm and you can follow us on instagram and twitter goes is at the goes i'm at mma junkie george and lastly, have a happy 4th of July. Happy birthday, America. And thank you all for tuning in to the watch along this past Saturday. We're hoping to do another one at the end of the month. All right, folks. See you all on Thursday. Go out and be a champion. <laughs>